Section 12 of Junior Classics, Volume 5, Stories That Never Grow Old. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Junior Classics, Volume 5, Stories That Never Grow Old. Edited by William Patton, Section 12. The Fourth Voyage After I had rested from the dangers of my third voyage, my passion for trade and my love of novelty soon again prevailed. I therefore settled my affairs, and provided a stock of goods fit for the traffic I designed to engage in. I took the route of Persia, traveled over several provinces, and then arrived at a port where I embarked. On putting out to sea, we were overtaken by such a sudden gust of wind as obliged the captain to lower his yards and take all other necessary precautions to prevent the danger that threatened us. But all was in vain. Our endeavors had no effect. The sails were split into a thousand pieces, and the ship was stranded. Several of the merchants and seamen were drowned, and the cargo was lost. I had the good fortune, with several of the merchants and mariners, to get upon some planks, and we were carried by the current to an island which lay before us. There we found fruit and spring water, which preserved our lives. We stayed all night near the place where we had been cast ashore. Next morning, as soon as the sun was up, we explored the island, and saw some houses which we approached. As soon as we drew near, we were encompassed by a great number of negroes, who seized us, shared us among them, and carried us to their respective habitations. I and five of my comrades were carried to one place. Here they made us sit down, and gave us a certain herb which they made signs to us to eat. My comrades, not taking notice that the blacks ate none of it themselves, thought only of satisfying their hunger, and ate with greediness. But I, suspecting some trick, would not so much as taste it, which happened well for me, for in a little time after I perceived my companions had lost their senses, and that when they spoke to me they knew not what they said. The negroes fed us afterward with rice, prepared with oil of coconuts, and my comrades, who had lost their reason, ate of it greedily. I also partook of it, very sparingly. They gave us that herb at first on purpose to deprive us of our senses, that we might not be aware of the sad destiny prepared for us. And they supplied us with rice to fatten us, for, being cannibals, their design was to eat us as soon as we grew fat. This accordingly happened, for they devoured my comrades, who were not sensible of their condition. But my senses being entire, you may easily guess that instead of growing fat, as the rest did, I grew leaner every day. The fear of death, under which I labored, turned all my food into poison. I fell into a languishing distemper, which proved my safety, for the negroes, having killed and eaten my companions, seeing me to be withered, lean, and sick, deferred my death. Meanwhile I had much liberty so that scarcely any notice was taken of what I did. And this gave me an opportunity one day to get at a distance from the houses and to make my escape. An old man who saw me and suspected my design called to me as loud as he could to return. But instead of obeying him, I redoubled my speed and quickly got out of sight. At that time there was none but the old man about the houses, and the rest being abroad and not to return till night, which was usual with them. Therefore, being sure that they could not arrive in time to pursue me, I went on till night, when I stopped to rest a little, and to eat some of the provisions I had secured, 
but I speedily set forward again and traveled seven days, avoiding those places which seemed to be inhabited and live for the most part upon coconuts, which served me both for meat and drink. On the eighth day I came near the sea and saw some white people like myself gathering pepper, of which there was great plenty in that place. This I took to be a good omen and went to them without any scruple. The people who gathered pepper came to meet me as soon as they saw me and asked me in Arabic who I was and whence I came. I was overjoyed to hear them speak in my own language and satisfied their curiosity by giving them an account of my shipwreck and how I fell into the hands of the Negroes. Those Negroes, replied they, eat men, and by what miracle did you escape their cruelty? I related to them the circumstances I have just mentioned, at which they were wonderfully surprised. I stayed with them till they had gathered their quantity of pepper, and then sailed with them to the island from whence they had come. They presented me to their king, who was a good prince. He had the patience to hear the relation of my adventures, which surprised him, and he afterward gave me clothes and commanded care to be taken of me. The island was very well peopled, plentiful in everything, and the capital a place of great trade. This agreeable retreat was very comfortable to me after my misfortunes, and the kindness of this generous prince completed my satisfaction. In a word, there is not a person more in favor with him than myself, and consequently every man in court and city sought to oblige me, so that in a very little time I was looked upon rather as a native than a stranger. I observed one thing which to me appeared very extraordinary. All the people, the king himself not excepted, rode their horses without bridle or stirrups. I went one day to a workman and gave him a model for making the stock of a saddle. When that was done, I covered it myself with velvet and leather and embroidered it with gold. I afterward went to a smith who made me a bit according to the pattern I showed him, and also some stirrups. When I had all things completed, I presented them to the king, and put them upon one of his horses. His majesty mounted immediately, and was so pleased with them that he testified his satisfaction by large presents. I made several others for the ministers and principal officers of his household, which gained me great reputation and regard. As I paid my court very constantly to the king, he said to me one day, Sinbad, I love thee. I have one thing to demand of thee, which thou must grant. I have a mind thou shouldst marry, that so thou mayest stay in my dominions, and think no more of thy own country. I durst not resist the prince's will, and he gave me one of the ladies of his court, noble, beautiful, and rich. The ceremonies of marriage being over, I went and dwelt with my wife, and for some time we lived together in perfect harmony. I was not, however, satisfied with my banishment therefore designed to make my escape the first opportunity and to return to Baghdad, which my present settlement, how advantageous soever, could not make me forget. At this time the wife of one of my neighbors, with whom I had contracted a very strict friendship, fell sick and died. I went to see and comfort him in his affliction, and, finding him absorbed in sorrow, I said to him as soon as I saw him, God preserve you and grant you a long life. Alas, replied he, how do you think I should obtain the favor you wish me? I have not above an hour to live, for I must be buried this day with my wife. This is a law in this island. The living husband is interred with the dead wife, and the living wife with the dead husband. While he was given an account of this barbarous custom, 
the very relation of which chilled my blood his kindred friends and neighbors came to assist at the funeral they dressed the corpse of the woman in her richest apparel and all her jewels as if it had been her wedding day then they placed her on an open bier and began their march to the place of burial the husband walked first next to the dead body they proceeded to a high mountain and when they had reached the place of their destination they took up a large stone which formed the mouth of a deep pit and let down the body with all its apparel and jewels then the husband embracing his kindred and friends suffered himself to be placed on another bier without resistance with a pot of water and seven small loaves and was let down in the same manner the ceremony being over the mouth of the pit was again covered with the stone and the company returned i mention this ceremony the most particularly because i was in a few weeks time to be the principal actor on a similar occasion alas my own wife fell sick and died i made every remonstrance i could to the king not to expose me a foreigner to this inhumane law i appealed in vain the king and all his court with the most considerable persons in the city sought to soften my sorrow by honoring the funeral ceremony with their presence and at the termination of the ceremony i was lowered into the pit with a vessel full of water and seven loaves as i approached the bottom i discovered by the aid of the little light that came from above the nature of this subterranean place it seemed an endless cavern and might be about fifty fathoms deep i lived for some time there upon my bread and water when one day just as it was on the point of exhaustion i heard something tread and breathing or panting as it moved i followed the sound the animal seemed to stop sometimes but always fled and breathed hard as i approached i pursued it for a considerable time till at last i perceived a light resembling a star i went on sometimes lost sight of it but always found it again and at last discovered that it came through a hole in the rock which i got through and found myself upon the seashore at which i felt exceeding joy i prostrated myself on the shore to thank god for his mercy and shortly afterward i perceived a ship making for the place where i was i made a sign with the linen of my turban and called to the crew as loud as i could they heard me and sent a boat to bring me on board it was fortunate for me that these people did not inspect the place where they found me but without hesitation took me on board we passed by several islands and among others that called the isle of bells about ten days sail from serendib with a regular wind and six from that of kila where we landed lead mines are found in the island also indian canes and excellent campfire the king of the isle of kila is very rich and powerful and the isle of bells which is about two days journey in extent is also subject to him the inhabitants are so barbarous that they still eat human flesh after we had finished our traffic in that island we put to sea again and touched at several other ports at last i arrived happily at baghdad out of gratitude to god for his mercies i contributed liberally toward the support of several mosques and the subsistence of the poor and enjoyed myself with friends and festivities and amusements here sinbad made a new present of one hundred sequins to hindbad whom he requested to return with the rest the next day at the same hour to dine with him and hear the story of his fifth voyage end of section twelve
Recording by Drew Johnson.